welcome to Deep Rooted Healing, a contemplative podcast exploring the healing bridges that connect the body, mind, heart, and soul, including creative practices, touch, nature, spirituality, and community. I'm Emma Freeman, an artist, poet, massage therapist, and Reiki practitioner. I'm a highly sensitive person and sober. This podcast is a record of my own unfolding spiritual journey. May it be supportive for you in some way. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, everyone. Before I jump into this week's episode, I have a few announcements. Um, I am going to be teaching some really fun art classes online in the next couple of months that I want to share with you um, because the registrations are now open. So I'll be teaching art making with tea bags and in that one I'll be sharing my process of working with them to make a lot of mixed media work um, including collages and wall hangings. Um, That's going to be really a lovely class that's over two weeks in December And I'll be teaching a mixed media collage class where I go into depth about my process using um, all kinds of different papers from around the world, um, different textiles and fibers, stitching, and that's going to be a really um, experimental, fun, playful class. So will the teabag class too, actually. And then I'm also teaching a making hand-painted gift wrap class on rice paper and that's actually also a class where we're gonna use that technique to you can use it um, to make your own painted papers for collage Um, and then the final one is a drawing class for people who think they can't draw so that one I'll be teaching in January over a few weeks and I'll be sharing how I draw how I learned to draw what my technique is. I have an abstract drawing style that's very simple. Um, I do line drawings without a lot of, um, they're not technical, they're not realistic. They're more kind of whimsical and um, playful design. So I'm gonna walk through step-by-step how I draw and give a lot of um, examples, talk about how I find inspiration, what I do when I get stuck when I'm trying to draw something. So all of these classes are happening in December 2020 and January 2021. So you can find out more and sign up if you're interested in any of them on my website, emmafreemandesigns.com. And then the other announcement, I just launched launched my holiday card collection in my Etsy shop. And that you can find through my website or by searching Emma Freeman Designs on Etsy. And all of those cards are... Um, made from my drawings and collages that started out as experiments, which is how I work with all of my art now, just playing around with different materials and um, the work emerged and then it evolved into some greeting cards. So they're all really vibrant, colorful, really simple designs. So that's it for announcements. Um, Okay, so now on to this week's topic So I'm going to be um, getting vulnerable today, and I decided I wanted to open up and talk about a part of me that I haven't shared openly much at all before, and that is my obsessive-compulsive mind and how it has impacted me and my art throughout my whole life. So when I reflect back, 
I think the first time I can remember having this energy awakened inside of me was when I was about 12 or 13 and I developed psoriasis, which is an autoimmune condition that causes itchy, flaky patches of skin. And I became obsessed with picking at it and would do it until it bled. And I would do it over and over every day. And it was like this cloud came over me, this all-consuming energy. Like I walked into a different room within myself and the door shut behind me. And it wouldn't open again and let me out until I completed this cycle. And, you know, when I when it completed, it was like the cloud lifted, the door opened, I could move on and do other things. And then it would start up again the next day. Over and over and over. And around the same age, I developed an eating disorder and that obsessive compulsive energy found such a big playground to play in within me during that time. I would obsess constantly about my weight, about counting calories, what I was eating, what I wasn't eating, how much I weighed, how much weight I could lose within a certain amount of time before a school dance or a family vacation. I would loop on in my mind on the junk food that I could eat in the cabinet late at night after everyone else went to bed. And then I would binge and eat and eat and eat and eat and then make myself throw up and then would wake up in the morning and feel terrible and say to myself, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be this person. And then at night, it would start all over again, that looping and that incessant voice in my mind. And I couldn't stop it. I didn't have the um, skills to know really what was going on or why it was happening and how to stop it. Um And I remember also finding one of my journals from around that time in my life. And I wrote over and over on many, many different days, things in the same loop. Basically, I'm ugly, I'm fat, I'm stupid. I'm ugly, I'm fat, I'm stupid. Over and over and over. And it, you know, reading back and in connecting back with that part of me was really sad and i could see just through the written words and also feeling back into my experiences like i was suffering i was really miserable in certain ways and then you know there also simultaneously i was you know i had a lot of friends and i was in theater and dance and choir and I was into photography and I was really expressive creatively with how I dressed. And, you know, there were all of these things happening all at once, um, you know, and consciously there were parts of me happening that I was more aware of. And then unconsciously there were all of these things happening and that obsessive compulsive energy was a constant within me and it was really causing a lot of pain um, and doing a lot of harm to me. And I also remember watching TV as a teenager this one time feeling I felt I remember feeling sick to my stomach because I had been sitting there for so long, but it was like I couldn't stop. And I remember my family members were outside and it was a beautiful day and part of me wanted to go out there or thought I should go out there. But when I did, all I could think about was watching more TV, even though it wasn't like I was watching anything that 
I was really enjoying or getting anything out of. It was like this force that was like, or this magnet that was pulling me back to that loop. Um, and it, it felt, you know, when I feel back into that time, it felt like I was trapped inside of myself and I didn't have the skills to see or know what was happening. I felt an urge and I acted on it because I thought that's all I knew. Um, the other space that it has shown up for me throughout my life is in relationships. So starting in my teens through my 20s and into my early 30s, I would loop and loop and loop and fan and fantasize about a person and, you know, think about how, what it would be like to be in a relationship, how that would change my life. I like couldn't stop thinking about it until we started dating. And then pretty much right away when we'd start dating, it would fade like, like super dramatic fall off and the energy would shift. <clears throat> and then I would break up with the person and then move on and do that over and over and over. And also at play within the relationship part of my life was what I've come to learn through therapy is avoidant attachment. So that was definitely also happening. And then the other place that it has shown up is drinking alcohol. So when I, I started drinking when I was 19 and right away my body didn't like it. It tasted bad. It made my stomach hurt. It gave me horrible headaches. But there was something about the effect that I liked. I liked the loosening up. I liked the altered space that it invited me into. I liked that I felt more free to, I thought, quote unquote, be myself. <clears throat> and that compulsive and obsessive energy really loved when I drank too. Because, um, you know, within seconds of having the first sip, I was thinking about the next drink. Could I have another one? You know, did I have enough time before the bar closed? And had I had, you know, maybe was I sober enough that I could still drive? Probably, you know, all of these thoughts that, you know, it wasn't just once or twice. It was like, you know, a hundred times. And it led to me drinking way too much and throughout my 20s and 30s and really causing harm to my body um, and my mind from that. And, um, it, it feels like it, especially, you know, with the eating disorder space and also with drinking, I guess also with relationships, like all the time, it's this, the looping and obsessive compulsive energy is this powerful force. And it's like, if, if any other part of me any like my body, you know, hurting or any other part of me trying to get my attention it's been like trying to hear someone whispering to me from across the street while standing in the middle of a hurricane like it's impossible so earlier this year before the pandemic started I was running my shop where I would go to thrift stores multiple times a week and sift through thousands of things and buy different things to resell and that obsessive compulsive energy loved that shop. So in addition to going to thrift stores multiple times a week and, you know, sifting through so many different things and buying things, I would also scroll through Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace at night when I should be sleeping. I'd wake up at two or three in the morning and scroll through Etsy and look for a new inventory and would look at hundreds of throw pillows and dish towels. And I could never look at just a few. It was always, you know, 
as many as I could look at. <laughs> and it would make me feel physically sick. Um, and But I constantly felt with the shop that I needed more things. I needed more inventory. I needed more categories of things. It didn't matter how much I had bought or sold already um, or how much inventory I already had. I always felt like I needed more. And then one day I was standing in my house and this is probably in January of 2020. And I was surrounded by garbage bags full of clothes from thrift stores that I had brought home, washed and was getting ready to take them over to my shop. And there were boxes of dishes on the floor. And then there were also all of my art supplies and piles and there was random stuff everywhere. And I could barely walk in the room. And I also had a garage full of furniture that was half painted that I had gathered and stopped working on. And the basement in the shop was completely overwhelmingly chaotically full of stuff. And there was stuff behind the counter at the shop, just like chaos. And I had this voice, this question pop in my mind that said, why do you always need more? Which that it sounds like such a simple question, and it is, but those loops inside of me went on autopilot up until that point until I was 37. So I had no self-reflection or deep contemplation on that part of me. It was always impulse action, impulse action. And because I'm also highly sensitive and very passionate, you know, those things definitely came into play too through all of this time in my life. And, um really made me confused about, you know, what I should act on and what I shouldn't. And I feel these things so strongly and so intensely. So that means I should follow them, right? Um, so when that question popped in my mind, it really kind of kicked off this new space of reflection slowly. Um, actually, not that slowly. I don't do things very slowly. It was pretty quick. I started to, I realized like, um, my vision, my perspective started to shift and I was looking at things in my life differently all around me in my shop and in my house. And I started to see like, holy shit, there is so much stuff everywhere. So much, so many clothes, so many dishes, so many art supplies, just piles and piles of things I've created. And then, you know, all the other shop stuff that I mentioned. And it just was, it was all making me feel so scattered and overwhelmed and burned out. And I never felt like I had either enough stuff. I never felt like I had enough money. I never felt like I had enough time or enough businesses. At that point, I was running three businesses. And as I started to reflect and started to ask myself some of these deeper questions, you know, self-worth was definitely at play and wrapped up in all of this. Um, but making that shift in my awareness was incredibly powerful. And that obsessive energy started to shift too and helped me dive deeply into the past experiences that I've had with this with this obsessive compulsive energy. Um, so it's like a, I've been able to kind of divert it, I think. I'm still reflecting on that. But the confusing part for me has been all along, like I feel these things strongly. I'm highly sensitive, passionate. So, you know, all of my feelings are strong. 
on every part of the spectrum. So, and I'm highly, I'm super creative. So I get these floods of ideas. So I'm like, oh, okay, I felt that. Ooh, I should act on it. Ooh, and I obsess, obsess, obsess. Or, ooh, I, you know, had this feeling about someone, I should probably act on it. And then, you know, obsess, 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 and then act. And it really has done damage to a lot of my life when I look back like that obsessive compulsive energy has really controlled a lot of my choices how I've thought how I felt and it's made me really miserable in a lot of ways um but I've also been thinking about the ways that the gifts that that obsessive compulsive energy has given me throughout my life and it's been like in particular with my art so with my art if I get an idea, I will loop and loop and loop on it until I try it. I cannot let it go. It is like this mosquito in my ear buzzing at me and it will not go away until I take action. And that has helped to propel me into so many different realms of art making, um, from experimenting with different materials and techniques and learning about different artists and reading books and just immersing myself in these different um, creative outlets and not just making a few of something, but making hundreds of, well, with photography, which was my first creative adventure, thousands and thousands and thousands of images. And then cyanotypes, hundreds of those fabric earrings, hundreds of those, um, drawings, hundreds of those, uh, collages, hundreds of those, you know, so the quantity was always, there. And I never felt like I could just make one of anything and never did. And as I look back, I can see, oh, that that actually was super helpful in developing my style and my aesthetic really pretty quickly within all of these different mediums, because I would obsess and then compulsively create and dive deep. And then when I was done, I was done. Like, okay, now I'm not into that anymore. I got everything out of it that I wanted to. Now it's time to move on. So that has been a gift and I'm actually really grateful for that. Um, and I also realized that I really spin on a word or a phrase or a quote or an experience that I've been through. So it'll, it's like I pick it up and play with it in my mind and then I, it spins in a loop. Um, but I'm also naturally very contemplative. So I'll go deep with it. So I can pull things apart really quickly and come to new insights and realizations. And that has helped me heal and process so many different experiences, especially over the last five years, if, as I've been doing deeper healing work and therapy um, and that obsessive compulsive energy, that looping has also really helped me with writing, which is a new medium for me in my own journaling, but then also writing things out to share here on this podcast, on Instagram, when I reflect about my art practice. Um, so that's been actually really helpful too. And, you know, overall with what I was saying earlier about making so much work in these different mediums, I mean, it's, that energy has helped me be prolific and, you know, one of the challenges that I'm um, always up against is trying to describe the work that I make because I'm shifting into different mediums a lot of the time. And they all feel 
they're all part of me, but I do so many different kinds of work and have, you know, from like right now I'm doing mixed media collage and stitching and textile work. Um, so I struggle with like, if I'm describing myself in an artist statement or to someone, do I just describe that work and leave out the cyanotypes and the drawing and the photography that I've done before that feels very much still part of my being as a creative person. Um, so that's one of the challenges that comes with having this kind of compulsive creating <laughs> in lots of different realms. So over the last few months, I've been taking this online class called Sacred Sensitivity with Myrie Morsi, and it was geared towards highly sensitive people. It was phenomenal in many ways, but one of the things that she talked about was empathy and how when you're highly sensitive and empathetic, oftentimes our empathy can be out in the world in different situations, like feeling into different people and different environments and different every like different spaces and trying to help people and you know it can really be um, depleting because the that empathetic energy is just kind of scattered all over the place so she walked us through this really incredible exercise of calling that empathy back to us and um, you know, really containing it and thinking about it as like, we're in charge of this energy. Like it doesn't need to just go out at random and try to help people and feel the vibe of different situations that it can work to our benefit. And its job is to help our well-being first and foremost, and that we can say to it, like, I'm going to still let you go out and be, you know, empathetic in certain situations but not all the time and I need you to listen like I need you to take care of me first and I found that so incredibly powerful and and then I started thinking just this week well wait a second what if I thought about this obsessive compulsive energy in a similar way so I did this um kind of guided meditation visualization by myself when I was driving in the car the other day. And what I did was I thought about and talked to this out loud, like all these different, imagined this obsessive compulsive energy as all these scattered particles throughout my whole body. And I started to call them back together. So I started to funnel them into a centralized place, into a container. So I called them out from all their hiding places, from the nooks and crannies in all of my organs, in my mind, throughout all of those memories of different experiences, all the playgrounds they've played on, and imagine these particles kind of coming together and back into this container this safe container and then I talked to that energy and I said okay so I know you've had kind of you've gotten to run rampant throughout my whole life up until this point but that you don't get to do that anymore I'm now in charge and I'm going to give you playgrounds to play on but they're going to be very specific and they're going to be really fun and they're actually going to feel really good for you too but I need you to listen to me when I say no. So I'm going to cut you off in situations when it's no longer healthy for me, and you're probably going to throw some tantrums, but too bad. This is happening. And 
it was really powerful for me to to go through that exercise because one, I'm so visual. So helping having that visual in my mind was really, really powerful. But also the act that really created this space between me and that energy. So I'm not just that energy is not me. It's part of me. It flows through me. It always will, I'm sure, because it has for 38 years. It runs in my family. So I think it's here to stay, but I want to work with it and harness it to benefit me rather than hurt me. So creating that little bit of space in between me and that energy was really powerful. So I'm going to keep reflecting on that and and working with that kind of meditation and um, just kind of healing work and see how that goes um, and how it continues to shift. And I wanted to share also the things that I'm realizing help balance that energy within me right now. So being outside in nature is huge, going for long walks, being around trees, looking up at the sky. I've been watching birds just soar, which has been magical. Um, anything outside in nature shifts that. It almost, It's like it um, completely balances that energy right away. And that's huge. Um, doing yoga helps a lot. Again, it's just shifting that internal space for me. Drinking tea instead of drinking coffee. So I've been like really up until the pandemic would consume way too much coffee. And now with all of this new awareness, I'm noticing that if I you know, if I can feel that obsessive compulsive energy flowing through me in a particular way, if I have too much caffeine, it just feeds on it. So, it, you know, that jittery kind of shaky feeling invites more compulsiveness. Um, so I find, you know, after I have a little coffee, then I'll switch to tea and I'll have tea at night. And, you know, I really love the ritual of that. It feels really healing and like therapeutic and all the positive things of drinking tea, but it's also really helping counter that compulsive energy. And then making art is ginormous in my life with this because it's giving, it's giving that energy a safe container, safe playground to play within. And, um, so I'm continuing to do that to, to make work and to let that energy flow through me. And I'm starting to notice when it does start to shift and I start to feel like, okay, I've been stitching for three hours and my shoulders really hurt. Time to take a break self. You know, doing those little things is, they're little, but they're also huge. Um, and then two other things, taking naps to break up my energy throughout the day is really helping. And then also reading books. So having having things that are long form for me to consume really helps counter and balance that energy. Because obviously, like scrolling on social media, pfft, yeah, that energy loves it. But it makes me feel terrible. And more and more, especially during the pandemic, I find... I can't handle it. My system gets overwhelmed way more easily. And I'm just not finding it satisfying or nurturing, I'm, which is good. That feels good. But I also can tell, you know, very easily when I do start scrolling, like, oh, that energy is coming out to play in an unhealthy way. So that's an ongoing practice. 
Um, but reading books is beautiful because it lets me dive deeply into this long format and really immerse myself there and the energy kind of spreads out. So that's been really helpful. And, you know, all of this has really been slowly bringing more awareness and, and reflection to this part of me. And it's made me realize, oh, that's not just who I am. Like there's a distinction there. There's much more at play. And that I, that that's empowering, you know, that I'm not just like trapped within that energy. And now my work is to con continue to listen deeply to myself, to watch carefully for those tricky loops because they show up many, many times a day. This is very much an active practice for me ongoing. I think it always will be. Um, and to lovingly remind myself of the tools that I'm continuing to build and um, that it's okay, like I can, I have power over this energy that I can, I can shift it and channel it in different ways. And even though it's really uncomfortable, not answering the call of that energy in certain situations, um, I'm learning to build that strength and kind of um, sit with that resistance. And um, that's huge. And I'm just trying to take baby steps. Just, you know, really gently be kind and loving to myself with all of this. And I've been, you know, I've researched OCD a lot. And the stories that I've heard and read, you know, none of them resonated with what I've been through. So for a long time, I thought, oh, well, I don't, I mean, I've never been diagnosed with OCD. I don't know if technically I have it. And so for a long time, I thought, well, I shouldn't talk about it because I don't have that. But then, you know, just recently I thought, no, this is important to me to share this part of my story because it's a huge part of who I am. It's influenced my art and my whole life. And I'm doing a lot of healing around it. And maybe by opening up about my story with this, it'll help one person out there, I hope. So I think that is, that's everything I wanted to share. Eee, that's vulnerable. Uh, you know, I'm just talking to myself at my art table right now. So that feels safe. But the idea of publishing this, putting this out in the world, oh, I don't know who's going to hear it. But that's okay. It's important to be brave and take risks. And that's something I love to do, even though it's scary. It's, it's, it's good. Um, I feel like this part of me needs to be shared. And I hope that it helps someone out there in some way. Um, okay, well, Thank you so much for listening, and if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes that I've recorded, I'd love if you left a review on iTunes. Um, that's the way that most people, more people, can find podcasts, apparently, so um, I'd love if you did that, if you feel up to it. Um, okay, that's it. Thank you so much again, and I'll chat with you next week. Bye!